What's going on, everybody? Always a pleasure to be with you here for the Passball Show. A couple things we're going to hit up today. Of course, a couple weeks ago, Scottie Pippen released a book. And, you know, it was something that was probably expected to happen over the course of time. Yeah, Scottie, the thing that he will never get credit for, that he absolutely 100% unequivocally deserves, is the credit as being one of the greatest basketball players of all time. It's hard to name 20 all-time greats and not put Scottie Pippen on that list. But we all understand that he plays kind of second fiddle to Michael Jordan and the tremendous career, obviously, that Michael had being the greatest basketball player of all time. But I think it's fair to understand and to state that without Scottie Pippen, the Bulls probably don't win those six championships. And Scottie Pippen, independently, if he was playing for another team and not in the shadow of Michael Jordan, he would probably get more credit for being the all-time great that he really was. And obviously, if you take a look at excerpts from his book, Unguarded, you can see that Scottie has some built-up anger, hostility, um, bitterness over the course of many, many years. And... He certainly didn't get the greatest treatment. I mean, if you follow the uh, Last Dance documentary centered around Michael Jordan, you know, Michael, for no reason at all, throws in that Scottie Pippen, uh, you know, stepping off the court when Phil Jackson gave the shot to Tony Kukoc in a game that, by the way, Michael Jordan had already abandoned his team to play baseball in 1994. There was no reason to throw Scotty under the bus or just add more attention to a mistake that Scotty made. But obviously he has that to live with, but he also has that long-term contract extension that he signs that was so unfavorable to him. And obviously Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf did a terrible job by refusing to renegotiate the deal as Pippen establishes himself as one of the best players in the league. Now listen, it, you know, it's hard to have followed Scottie Pippen's career and not acknowledge how great of a player he was. And there's no question he was one of the best of all time. He, he comes across in the excerpts from his book as extremely, extremely better. And part of it you understand. You know, this is a person that just never, never was thought of as the man when he probably was Like I said, unequivocally, one of the top 20 players in the history of the National Basketball Association. And he was. There was no question about it. But, you know, for him to take shots. And and listen, you know, the, the Phil Jackson racism declaration. Yes, there's part of it that looks really bad. But there's another element If you read Phil Jackson's book, The Maverick, in the 1970s, he had some unfavorable, or at least today would be unaccepted points of view when it came to ballplayers of color. So, Scotty, to make those declarations, I don't think the fact that Jackson gave the shot to Kukoc in 1994 that he hit 
to beat Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers was racially motivated. But if Scottie Pippen had looked at some of the things that Phil Jackson had wrote in the 70s, you, you have every right to feel that Phil Jackson may have some ill feelings towards ball players of color. Now, it doesn't mean he was an outright racist. And to imply that the, the shot giving to Kukoc was racially motivated was a little bit of a stretch. And like I said, in this case, makes Scotty come up a little bit small. And it's a shame. Like I said, you talk about the dream team of 1992. You can't put that team together without Scotty Pippen. And I've said before, they really shouldn't have put that team together without Isaiah Thomas. But it's for a different discussion. Scotty was a dominant player, one of the greatest players to ever play, and doesn't get the respect and recognition he deserves because he was Michael Jordan's Robin or the second fiddle to Michael Jordan over the course of Jordan's dominance. But I, I, I think of a, a, a couple spots in his, in his book, and I understand he is letting out you know, 20, 30 years potentially of frustration and he lets it out and he gets to put everything in his own words and he gets to, you know, kind of tell his side of the story. Now he's forced to defend that last shot in 1994 because Michael Jordan, like I said, he had no reason in his documentary to bring up anything about those Bulls teams that happened without him. Michael Jordan... And like I said, the greatest of all time, maybe the greatest athlete of all time, maybe the greatest player in any sport of all time, abandoned his team when he went to go play baseball. You you can knock Tim Tebow for leaving the NFL, even though he was kind of phased out. But Michael Jordan, three-time NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls, the greatest player in the game at that time, and maybe one of the greatest players to ever play at that moment. Now, you look at him as the GOAT. You look at him, like I said, as one of the greatest athletes and players in any sport, team, or individual to ever play. But Michael Jordan, after he leaves, after the 1993 season to go play baseball, it doesn't get brought up because I don't think anybody wants to ever challenge the GOAT. Nobody ever wants to challenge Michael. But he abandoned the Bulls. He walked away from him to go play baseball. And he had no reason... And I don't think a right to bring up Scottie Pippen's being passed up for a shot and not stepping on the court in a game in a season that he wasn't part of. So Scotty in his book defends that, and he's got every right to do that. But I think he goes a little far when he paints Phil Jackson as a racist. And like I said, is there is there any inferences that Phil makes over the course of his life, especially when he writes the book that he wrote in the 70s talking about black basketball players. It doesn't paint the best picture for Phil. But Scotty kind of takes that and runs with it. And he he puts himself in a situation where he looks very bitter. And Scotty, for a lot of basketball fans at that time, and I was one of them, I, I loved the Bulls of the 1990s. I kind of rooted against them a little bit. But as as you saw what they represented and as great of a basketball team as they were in the history of the sport, 
you certainly sure as hell respected him. And Scotty, for the longest time, has come off as kind of a hero on that team, the unsung hero. You know, he wasn't the flamboyant player that Dennis Rodman was. You know, he wasn't, he was just as dominant in certain times as Jordan. But it was understood that he was never going to be Jordan. But because of that, for the general public, the, the casual fan, but the diehard basketball fan, he was a hero. And I think there's elements of his book and through the excerpts that I've read that kind of take some of the hero away from Scottie Pippen. And like I said, I get it when you have 30 years of bent-in frustration that you finally let out in a book that you you know you put together and you put it in your own words. But Scotty, I think in a, I think disappointed a lot of people with this. You know, he takes shots at Michael, and listen, Michael might not have been the best teammate, but if you look at any of the great basketball players of all time, they probably weren't loved by the players that played with them. Because of their expectations, because of the fact that they they demanded to win, you hear some of the same things about Kobe. You hear some of the same things about LeBron. But you go back into the '80s with Bird and Magic, uh, you know, Will Chamberlain. You know, there was things about them when it came to winning that they were willing and able to be tough on their teammates. And part of it was because that they were that damn good. Sometimes, if you're that damn good at something, you could be critical of somebody that isn't quite you. So I get it. And I'm and personally, I'm not bothered by any of the, the knocking of Jordan saying, hey, maybe Jordan wasn't the greatest teammate. But if Jordan wasn't what he was and Jordan didn't hold his teammates accountable and if Jordan wasn't as tough on the other players that played with him, the Bulls all win those six championships. And let's be serious. Michael walks away. Like I said, he abandoned the Bulls to go play baseball. That was probably the opportunity of all opportunities for Scottie Pippen. Win a championship, win a ship without him. How about that? What if he what if he had won with those Bulls, him and Phil Jackson and Ku Coach, without Jordan? I think we look back at history in a different way. But the fact that Michael didn't play for a year and a half, almost two years, and he comes back towards the second half of 95, and of course they fall short in the series that they lost to the Knicks, and he comes back, wins three more championships, and then walks away, the common denominator was not Scottie Pippen. The common denominator was not Phil Jackson. It was obviously Michael. Because when Michael played those last six years, they won six NBA championships. The year and a half, for almost two years that Michael wasn't on the court, the Bulls didn't win. But Scotty has to deal with that. And of course, that shot in 1995, I'm sorry, 94, where Phil Jackson draws up the play for Tony Kukoc, it's a bad look for Scotty. But if you think about it, his whole career and the whole uh, remembrance of Scotty Pippen at this point is only about that shot. And most fans that follow Scottie Pippen still looked at him up to this point as a hero. And 
now he writes this book and it's just not a favorable point of view of him. Like I said, you never really come out good when you take shots at Michael Jordan. And like I said, the basis of Phil Jackson with racial undertones perhaps, maybe not necessarily in that shot, but to say that Phil had some opinions about black basketball players was true because Phil wrote about it. Now, could you call him you know, an outright racist? I don't know. I mean, he didn't, he didn't seem to have any problem with the assemblance of his basketball team. He didn't certainly didn't have a problem with playing with black basketball players, coaching black basketball players. But he, he's got to live with the fact that he published and wrote and put together things that probably weren't so favorable about black players. Now, was it opinions that a lot of white people had in the 1970s? I don't want to get into that because, you know what? Those opinions are still wrong. They're not going to be accepted today. And anybody that has something like that in writing has to answer for that. But like I said, Scottie Pippen, one of, when it comes to basketball, kind of one of the heroes. A player that was so great that he could have been the number one on any team but played second fiddle to Michael Jordan and they, they won. Never got the credit that he deserved. And like I said, because of that, it was worthy of him writing the book that he did. But he comes up small. When he's taking shots at Phil Jackson, he's taking shots at Michael Jordan. So one of the things that's really bothered me over the course of this baseball season, and I don't think the national media has brought this up enough, I think the timing is perfect as we're getting set a last week before the official All-Star break in Major League Baseball. So we know that it's the center point of the season. Yeah, there was, you know, you look back at the truncated 2020 season and everything that the season survived without. And Atlanta was supposed to have the All-Star game this year. And not only that, it was on the heels of, of the passing of one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And he is synonymous with Atlanta, but most importantly, the Braves. Spent many of his career in Milwaukee and then finished, of course, with Atlanta. Went back to play for the Brewers and Bud Selig, yada, yada, yada. I get it. But Henry Aaron meant so much to the city of Atlanta and to Major League Baseball. And for a reason that had nothing to do with the Atlanta Braves. And for a reason that had nothing to do with Major League Baseball. Commissioner Manfred decides to relocate the All-Star game to Colorado. And like I said, the Braves didn't do anything wrong. But if you want to word it this way, the harshest penalty that was put out by Major League Baseball over the past five years against anybody was taking the All-Star game away from the Atlanta Braves. And there was no reason for that. Like I said, what did the Braves do wrong? What did the city of Atlanta do wrong? You know, the voting law was something that was thrown up by the, the government of Georgia. And like I said, what does that have to do with baseball? Nothing. And you say you, you leave your politics to politics and your sports to sports. 
which we try to do for the most part. But Major League Baseball decides that they wanted to make their all-star game about politics. They didn't have to do that. Because of that, the Atlanta Braves lost the all-star game. On the heels of the death of one of the sport's greatest stars and a player that was synonymous with the city of Atlanta, but most importantly, synonymous with the Atlanta Braves and their logo and their history. You can't name another Braves player that was more dominant, meant more to the fans and more to baseball than Henry Aaron. And sadly, we lost him last year. But this would have been a great opportunity to honor one of the greatest players to ever play. To have the All-Star game dedicated to him. And now baseball has chosen not to do that. Instead, go to Colorado. And no disrespect against the Colorado Rockies. One of the worst teams in baseball. They don't have very much going for them this year. They traded Nolan Arenado. Home Run Derby, yes, there's probably going to be more buzz about the Home Run Derby in the high altitude of Coors Field. But I I don't think there's been enough spoken about the unfairness to Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, the Braves franchise, to Henry Aaron. An opportunity... To really make it about one of the best players that ever played. And certainly a player that wasn't given the respect and dignity that he deserved while he played the game. He's a player that you can never honor enough. And for him going through all the uh, negativity and racism that he faced as he was approaching Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. And the death threats that he had to deal with and the fact that he handled everything with dignity and grace. This was a great opportunity for Major League Baseball and they screwed it up. And and that bothers me. So we'll go to a lighter note, something that I am excited about. And it's the fact that Chris Paul of the Phoenix Suns is closing in on his first NBA championship. And as we're talking about sports, that legislative uh, uh, entities have not done the best for the game, which clearly Major League Baseball did not in the minds of the Atlanta Braves, the city of Atlanta, and Henry Aaron. You could think of some similarities in regards to Chris Paul. Chris Paul was traded to the Lakers, could have been a teammate of Kobe Bryant, could have had a couple NBA championships and could have reestablished himself as one of the greatest players of all time. Chris Paul, by the way, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You don't have to worry about great players not getting into the Hall of Fame in basketball. You do in baseball. Sorry for jumping all over the place, but you know it's been a couple weeks. I got so much bent-up energy. It's like I'm Scotty Pippen about to write a book. You know, Chris Paul had a chance to be traded to the Lakers, probably had a chance to win a couple NBA championships. And the NBA steps in and voids the trade. They say that it's not in the best interest of basketball. And maybe, you know, if you want to talk about parity, but since when is that invoked 
to keep a team from being a super team. You saw that in the 70s, perhaps, in baseball. Charles Finley selling off his players, whether it's Raleigh Fingers or Joe Rudy or Vita Blue, giving them away to the Red Sox and the Yankees and Commissioner Bowie Kuhn jumps in and says that's not in the best interest of baseball. Well, you had another instance when Chris Paul was about to be traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. And that doesn't happen, like I said, because the NBA steps in and says that they, it's not in the best interest of the sport. So Chris Paul, 16 years in the NBA, has played for some really good teams, by the way. Some teams that never took the steps to winning an NBA championship that they should have. Those New Orleans teams with Byron Scott as a head coach, won 50 games a handful of times. Never made it to where they needed to go. But he ends up going to the Los Angeles Clippers, Doc Rivers. How many... Seasons. I think it was four straight seasons. They won in the mid to high 50s. Didn't get where they needed to go. Goes with Houston to play with James Harden. Mike D'Antoni is the head coach. They win 60 games, both of his seasons there. The Rockets don't go anywhere. And then he probably has his best season when he goes to a rebuilding Oklahoma City Thunder team in 2019-2020. And this probably doesn't get spoken about too much. He ends up being involved in a trade from Houston to OKC. So Russell Westbrook can go from OKC to Houston. Oklahoma City's rebuilding. And Chris Paul goes there and he balls. He plays. He, he averages 17 points a game. Is a great leader for that team. Young players like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder. You, know, you see them kind of get the most out of their potential. They end up making the playoffs. OKC had no business being in the playoffs in 1920. And obviously 19-20, And Chris Paul, in my opinion, probably has his best season there with a weak and limited amount of talent around him. And he comes this season to a Phoenix team that you could ask, hey, was were the expectations of the Phoenix Suns as high as they seem right now as they're on the verge? And listen, game two, Milwaukee Bucks, certainly they have to make a statement within the next couple games if they're going to make this a series. But I think if I was a betting man, and you know, Lord knows I am, I, I'd favor the Phoenix Suns at this point. Giannis is hurt. I don't think Milwaukee has the same type of depth. They don't have the same starting five. They don't have the ability to share wealth and power amongst their top players like the Phoenix Suns do. I mean, Devin Booker is the best player on the court, but I just spent the last 10 minutes talking about Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges. They, they, got, they, got, they got depth there. But to think about this season as it was about to start, did we see the Phoenix Suns as being an NBA championship team? Yes. Part of it has to do with the Lakers not having Anthony Davis on the court. LeBron James being injured and compromised when he was playing. You know, you look at some of the other teams in the Western Conference. 
the Clippers. This could have been their year. The Lakers step away. Maybe take a year off with their injuries. Is it the Clippers' year? All of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard's out. He misses the whole, basically the whole postseason. What would the Lakers be with a healthy AD and LeBron? What would the Clippers be with a healthy Kawhi Leonard? And those things happen for a reason, but it clears the path for a well-deserving NBA player to finally get his championship. And like I said, if you look at the history of Chris Paul, and it kind of put the whole show in full circle, he kind of reminds you a little bit of Scottie Pippen. Now, Chris Paul, in many cases, was the best player on his team. So that's where there's a little bit of a difference. But I think of Scotty, and I think of Scotty never getting the respect he deserved for being an all-time great. And I certainly see the similarities when it comes to Chris Paul. Not just that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but when it's all said and done, he's going to go down as an all-time great. An unsung all-time great. Because you think of the players that he played with at the time. Kobe and Shaq and of course later on LeBron and and, uh, Kevin Durant. Even Westbrook you think of as as just a a dominant scorer and a great all-around player. If you have a choice and ironically those two players were traded for each other. I think most basketball fans take Westbrook over Paul and it's not a slight against Paul. But I think Chris Paul, when it comes to underrated all-time great basketball players, he's right up there. He's right up there with Scottie Pippen. Passball Show is brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Also by The Contender. Check out The TheContender.com um, where you could... It's basically the new age of talk sports. You can check out my show, which is called Contending Baseball, which airs weekly on the network. But it's it's regional sports talk without the commercials. So check it out, thecontender.com. So one of another one of my pet peeves when it comes to sports, when it comes to the media, is the declaration that's made about the glorified. MLB trading deadline. And I think in a trading deadline in baseball, you know, in a couple different ways, I think it's it's important. I think it draws a lot of attention. In fact, if you think of basketball, if you think of football, I think there's a lot more action at the MLB trade deadline than there is in other sports. So I get why it why it gets the attention that it we seek get. The media obviously gives it a ton of coverage, but the media almost tries to own the trading deadline. And that's kind of what bothers me. You have MLB writers that want to declare exactly what teams should do. The whole buyer versus seller mentality. What the baseball media fails to understand is that each of its 30 baseball teams act as an independent contractor. They have the interest of one team In their mind. They're going to do what's best for that individual organization. In other words, this mentality that exists. That the teams that are making a run for the playoffs. Have the right to cherry pick whatever players they want. From the teams that happen to not be having a good year. 
is one of the biggest fallacies that exist in the entire sport. And it's driven by the media. The media decides to tell the Minnesota Twins that you're not having a good year, so Jose Barrios, the one of the best pitchers in baseball, should all of a sudden be traded. Colorado Rockies, things aren't going well. You know, who cares if you want Trevor Story for the next 10 years? That's up to the Rockies, and I, I understand they have some dysfunction now with the uh, firing of their general manager. Two assistant general managers quit, and there's certainly, uh, you know, issues in regards to there being a plan with the Colorado Rockies in their future. But if they were to decide that they wanted to extend Trevor's story and wanted to build their team for the future around them, that's their prerogative. That's their decision to make. That's not the likes of the baseball media's decision to make for them. The Chicago Cubs are struggling. It's not the baseball media's decision over whether the Cubs should start trading off their players. That's up to the Chicago Cubs. And if there is a good team or a team that is having a good run this year, maybe doing it in mirrors, maybe exceeding expectations in a little bit, for a little bit, and I'm kind of hitting at the Giants a little bit, do they have to mortgage their future to get themselves more solid players to make a push for the postseason this year. If the season ended today, the San Francisco Giants would be in the playoffs and they would be very deserved of that spot. Does it mean that they have to make a trade with the Twins for Jose Barrios, make a trade with the Chicago Cubs for Chris Bryant? Excuse me. Do they have to? Baseball media is going to basically tell you that they have to. Each team has the right to operate in the way that it intends. The Rockies don't have to trade Trevor Story. The Cubs don't have to trade Chris Bryant. Like I said, the Giants don't have to trade for anybody. But the baseball media makes this into being something bigger than it really is. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Pass Ball Show. I'm going to go over my bullet points of the show today in case you're just tuning in. We started about talking about Scottie Pippen, his book, Gun Guarded. Uh, we haven't been on in a couple weeks, so I know it's, you know, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to give my piece on Scottie Pippen. Love him as a player. I think he's one of the most underappreciated players in the sport. You know, the way, the trajectory of his career, obviously the last dance, while it paints a more of a sad picture of him with the contract that he ended up signing, Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Krause's refusal to renegotiate said contract, and then the unexplicable reason that they decided to put in Pippins, um, you know, not getting that shot in a game against the, the the Pacers, and he decided not to be on a court. That was unnecessary. It was a Jordan documentary. There was no reason to bring that up. I get why Scotty, why Scotty Pippen has such pin-up and built-up anger over the course of the last 30 years. He could have handled it better. I think he definitely comes up small here. And a guy who was a lot of basketball fans' heroes, I think disappointed a lot of people. He had to call Phil Jackson a racist. And like I said... 
Phil Jackson had some racial undertones in his book that he wrote in the 1970s. There was reasons to question whether he accepted black ballplayers or he had any sort of prejudice and discrimination against black ballplayers. But like I said, Scotty to call him a racist because he didn't give him the shot. Let me ask again. Tony Kukoc made the shot, didn't he? And I hate to say this, Scotty, because I, I love you. You're a great ball player, one of the best basketball players I ever got to watch play. How many game-winning shots did you hit over the course of your career? How many big-time playoff shots did you hit or even get? How many times did Michael Jordan pass you the ball? He passed the ball to Steve Curry, passed the ball to John Paxton. He never gave you that open look to win a ball game. Not to say that you might not have hit it. But to say that you should have unequivocally had that shot in that game again with 0.8 seconds left against the Pacers. Tony Kukoc made the shot. Once again, Scotty, how many game-winning shots did you hit over the course of your career? It was unexplicable that Major League Baseball decided to take the All-Star game away from Atlanta this year. When baseball, for the most part, has done a good job in staying out of politics, they decided to make this entire thing about politics. They didn't like the, the voter law. And like I said, I don't care about anybody's opinion about it. I don't have one myself. I don't. But I think to take the All-Star game and penalize the Atlanta Braves for something that they had nothing to do with was an absolute joke. And to do it on the heels of the death of the Atlanta Braves, the Braves' best player to ever play for that franchise and one of the all-time greats in the sport is an absolute joke and embarrassment. And why is nobody talking about that? As we're getting set for the All-Star game to be held in Colorado, it should be held in Atlanta. Baseball has not enacted any sanctions against the team in the last decade that were harsher than taking the All-Star game away from the Atlanta Braves for this year. And once again, what did the Braves do? Happy to see Chris Paul in the NBA Finals. Spoke about that before. Everything he was through with New Orleans, with the Clippers, with Houston. His best season with OKC, playing with a lot of younger players as a, a throw-in in a Westbrook trade just to make the salaries match. Knew he wasn't going to play for a winning team. Took that team for the playoff, to the playoffs anyway. Made the young players around him better. Obviously did that this year with Phoenix. And is close to an NBA championship. And I hope he wins it. He was supposed to play for the Lakers. He was traded to the Lakers. Commissioner ends up pulling a Bowie Kuhn of the 1970s against Charlie Finley saying that it wasn't in the best interest of the NBA for Chris Paul to be traded to the Lakers. Chris Paul should have an NBA championship already. I hope he gets one this year. And finally, MLB trading deadline, buyers and sellers. It's a narrative created by the media 
trying to basically dictate to each one of the 30 baseball teams what they should and shouldn't do when it comes to probably the most impactful deadline in all of sports, the Major League Baseball trading deadline. 30 teams in baseball operate as independent contractors. It's not up to the media to tell the Twins to trade Jose Barrios. It's not up to the media to tell the Chicago Cubs to trade Chris Bryant. Each one of these teams has their own vision. They have a a series of things that they're held accountable for when it comes to their fans, when it comes to their own jobs. They should operate the way that they wish, not the way that the media tells them to. And I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Past Ball Show. Great to be back. You can check out johnpielli.com. You can check out my show this week. Uh, my old baseball show, Contending Baseball on the Contender. God bless you. And as always, I see you on the other side.